different tonight, but that's not going to stop us, right? That's not going to stop us. So, uh, I know Mike just prayed, but I want to go ahead and open this up in a word of prayer. Let's go before the throne boldly and courageously. So, dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you. Um, I thank you for tonight. I thank you that your goodness, your sovereignty, your power is here. Yes. I pray right now, Lord, that you would bind the enemy in the name of Jesus. Yes. That if there is anything yes. here that is trying to distract or cause any confusion, Father God, or distraction, that you would just cast it out in the name of Jesus. I pray against chaos. I, I pray against um, anything that uh, wants to take the attention away from you and to put it on them. So I pray right now that you just bind and gag them. Yes. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and fill this place, flood this place with your presence. I pray, Father God, that this place would just be covered by the blood of Jesus. That we would acknowledge that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Yes. And he is the one that we are going to worship tonight. He is the one that we are going to adore tonight. And so I pray, Father God, that you would just allow all of our ears to be open, our hearts to be open. Allow us to have soft soil, Lord, so that the seeds of the word of God are planted deep down, yes. taking root. Because we know that your word does not return void. Yes. And so I pray, Father God, that you would just anoint my lips. That you would uh, just use me. I'm a willing vessel. And we just thank you, Lord, for your uh, for just all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so tonight we're going to continue our study on sanctification and living by the Spirit. We are going to discover what it means to walk by the Spirit and not in the flesh. We will see what it means to walk in newness of life and away from death. But first, let's remember a few things from the prior weeks. When we become born again and fully trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, our position in Christ is established. By the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, our old identity is crucified with Christ and no longer lives. We are given a new identity through Jesus and only Jesus. And that identity is everlasting and can never be taken away. The Holy Spirit. Okay. The Holy Spirit will take us from a state of decay and deprivation and begin a revival into new life. This process of retraining our hearts to live in new life and crucify our flesh and sinful desires is called sanctification. Sanctification is the act of making holy in an evangelical sense, which is the one that we're speaking about. It's the act of God's grace by which the affections of men are purified or alienated from sin in the world, and we are exalted to a supreme love to God. 1 Thessalonians 4.7 says, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So we have a real war that wages against us. We have sin around us and in us. 
We have an old nature that likes to indulge in the wickedness of sin and pleasure. But with the Holy Spirit dwelling inside us, he brings about transformation and new life. If you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you, the former things that you participated in and practiced no longer sit well with you. You have a desire to live in your new identity and become like Christ. You have an uncomfortable feeling, a sickening feeling, when you rebel and choose sin. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit in you. Because you cannot love and practice the ways of the world in sin and be of God. The two don't mix. Light and dark cannot take up the same space. And this is where the war begins. 1 John 1 5 through 6 says this this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness we lie and do not practice the truth walking in darkness is living in sin ignorance and unbelief this person is in a state of blindness, and their understanding is darkened. They have no true sight or sense of themselves, their condition, and sin. They are ignorant of Christ and his righteousness. They are strangers to the Spirit of God and the work of grace. People walking in darkness continue to go on in darkness more and more. They prefer darkness to the light. They love the darkness and the works of it. They also fellowship with those in the darkness and take pleasure in the ways of sin and wickedness and continue to walk in them. That is the key word. I know that I have shared this before. Continue. They stay in darkness. That is a habitual thing, that they, uh, how they live. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says this. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice continue, do over and over and over, such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that is a pretty clear picture of someone who does not truly know Jesus or his work of grace on the cross. This is who we would call dead in sin. They are an enemy of God and do not desire to follow or believe in him and his word. Now I want to make something very clear here. This person that we just described speaks about every person who does not trust or believe that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. 
This isn't just about the murderers and the rapists or the abusers and the robbers. This is also the unsaved man who gives thousands of dollars to charity or the unsaved old lady who helps feed the hungry. If that man and old lady do not trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they are no different than the murderer or the rapist. They are no different than the person walking in darkness who fulfills the lust of their flesh. Good deeds apart from Jesus and the Holy Spirit are called religion, and they do not save you. Jesus is the only way for salvation. And what does that salvation look like? How do those who know him and have surrendered their heart and life to following and trusting him look like? Like, what do we, how do we tell? Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27 says this. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. This is lasting obedience in the spirit. It's a turning away from the former things and walking towards righteousness. You were stone. You were deaf. You had no life. But now, if you have Jesus Christ in your life, you are flesh, full of life and breath, a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, all things have come. 1 John 2, 3 through 6 says this, By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this, we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. And that's talking about Jesus. Perfected means realized in practice. There it is again, the word practice, continuing. It's a lifestyle. It's the everyday not just the once a week when you attend church. And this practice comes from being one who abides in fellowship with Jesus by keeping his commandments. This is an obligation, not an option. Jesus is an all or nothing savior. I've said this so many times before. You cannot hold on to some of your heart, some of your life, and some of your sin. He requires total surrender. Luke 9, 25, or excuse me, 9, 23 through 25. 
And he was saying to them all, and this is Jesus speaking, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Following Jesus is costly. I will not deny that. But it is so stinking worth it. Nothing compares to him. And in return for your life and heart, he gives you him. His peace, his love, comfort, joy, patience, righteousness, and salvation. So yes, you are obligated. It's the least that we can do. Colossians 1, 9 through 10. For this reason also... Since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So what does this walking look like? How are those around you to know if you love and follow him? 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So you're not of this world. So stand up and fight. Fight against the organized system headed by Satan that leaves God out and is a rival to him. Fight against your wants, your desires, and fight against putting your will on the throne by completely taking God out of the picture. Walking away from sin is the fight. Being obedient to the Spirit's voice is victory in the war. Denying our flesh and its desires is how to fight the intense battle. We are not to be controlled by our flesh and the things this world has to offer. The flesh is our old and wicked nature and is our enemy. This is the nature that goes against God and seek satisfaction from anything, anything apart from him. That is our independence. That's power and pleasures from this world. You name it, if it is not God, and you are seeking that instead of him, that is what we fight against. Romans 7, 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. Romans 8, 6 through 8. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit.
spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. For it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So how do we wage war against our flesh and conquer sin? How do we set our strongest desires on the righteousness of Christ instead of the pleasures of this world and self? We walk in the Spirit by the power of the Spirit. John Piper puts it this way. If it was by the free and sovereign power of the Spirit that our new spiritual life came into being, then the way that new life should be lived is by that same free and sovereign power. Walk by the Spirit means do what you do each day by the Spirit. Live your life in all its details from waking up in the morning until going to sleep at night by the enabling power of the Spirit. So how do we walk in the Spirit? How do we live every day submitting to the will of the Holy Spirit? First, we acknowledge what we acknowledged for salvation. We are helpless without Jesus. We are helpless to walk in the newness of life without him and the Holy Spirit. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And who is speaking right there in that verse? Jesus. Jesus is telling us, I am the vine. You are the branches. Anyone who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Without Jesus and the Holy Spirit in our lives, they're leading, guiding, and directing us. We only become religious Pharisees. Every man can do a good deed, but the ability to be obedient to the Spirit only comes from the Spirit. So acknowledge you are desperately in need of Him. Then pray. Pray for wisdom. Pray for perseverance, for faith, for joy to continue. Pray for your eyes to see and your ears to hear. Pray for the Spirit to equip you and to teach you. 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 and 13. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you, so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father of the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Hebrews 13, 20-21 Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ.
to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Next, we walk by faith. We believe in the wonder-working power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That he can take the most vile and wicked heart and transform it to loving and following after God's own heart. 2 Corinthians 5, 4, 7-18. through 18. This is one of my favorite passages, you guys. And if you need hope, if you need encouragement to continue and to follow after him and chase him wholeheartedly, read this passage. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 18. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who are for we who live are constantly being delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe. Therefore, we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction, affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That is the power of Jesus given to us by the Holy Spirit. That is hope. That is joy. And that is what is so good about surrendering our hearts and lives to him and following him wholeheartedly, holding nothing back. So to walk in the Spirit, we acknowledge we are helpless without the Holy Spirit's leading. We pray for the Spirit to teach us, to fill us with his power. We walk in faith and believe in the power he gives us. Then we be about it. We don't speak empty words. James 1, 22 through 24. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. 
For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So the one who doesn't follow through with what he hears or reads in the word of God is careless like a man who looks in a mirror and forgets what he sees. That's foolishness. That's crazy, right? And that's exactly what James is trying to say. Like, man, you're hearing truth, life-giving words, and yet you're not following through? You're crazy. You're foolish. So, what are we called to do? What is that doing of the word and not just being a hearer of the word? What are we called to do in walking in the spirit? What are we called to do in our sanctification? Crucify our flesh. We wage war against our old nature and sin. We bring our old nature into submission to the righteousness of Jesus. Galatians 2, 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So once we see the magnificent power of the Spirit, and we witness firsthand his work of changing and making us more like Christ, we fall down on our face in complete gratitude and adoration. We praise him for taking the time out of eternity to work on our hearts. We thank him for loving us so wildly and recklessly that he has begun a good work in us and will, W-I-L-L, will see it to completion. Philippians 1.6 for I am confident of this very thing, that he, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, who began a good work in you, will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Man, who are we? That's the thing you guys got to understand. Like, this is the God of the universe, the one who created the mountains and the ocean and every living thing. He takes time out of eternity to directly speak to your heart. He knows you intimately, inside and out. He knows your fears. He knows your troubles. He knows your heartache. And he knows exactly how to heal each one. He is working in you and through you so that he may be glorified. Because he has taken what was dead in the grave, rotting, and has brought it to new life transformed life. We must let it sink in that we are nothing without him. And if left to our own devices, we would be nothing but evil and wicked people. I have to admit, I got into my flesh the last couple of days and I let my anger go. Horrible. I am not nice, you guys. That's who Ashley is. That's who the old Ashley is. That is what my flesh thrives and wants to do. There is nothing good in me apart from Christ. So in our gratitude, in our acknowledgement 
that we are helpless without him and can do no good that is pleasing to God, it brings us full circle to how we walk in the spirit. We acknowledge we are nothing without him. Then we pray and then we walk by faith. You guys, this is a daily thing, day in and day out, sometimes moment by moment. Galatians 6, 14 through 15. And you guys, I claim this verse for my life. I know that Mike claims this verse. I know that Casey claims this verse. Those of you who, uh, who have experienced the grace um, of Jesus Christ and the work of the cross, will, and, and, and you're radical about it, and you're excited about it, this will be your verse as well. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision but a new creation. I have done nothing. I have brought nothing to my salvation. I have brought nothing but submission to my sanctification and walking with the Spirit. I do nothing to reach and to go after the righteousness of Christ. It is not in us. And he knew that. So he allowed the Spirit to dwell in us, to live in us, to work through us. So what does your sanctification look like today? Are you filled with the spirit of the living God? Do you acknowledge you are nothing without him? Or do you attempt to do good deeds by your own strength and ambition? Are you seeking him in earnest prayer to get through your every waking moment? Or do you casually throw up a prayer for good luck or better circumstance? Are you walking by faith and not by sight? Or do you allow the circumstances you're surrounded by overtake you and your faith? Are you about your new identity and known for walking with Jesus? Or are people around you unsure because your words and actions don't meet up? And is your heart overwhelmed with overflowing thankfulness? Now I want to I want to stress and I want to make this point very very clear. Those are questions to personally ask yourself. These are not questions to measure anyone else around you. Because sanctification looks different for each child of God. Picture it this way. The Holy Spirit is building a new house in each of us, hammering and sawing away. He may be working on my roof, but is putting the doors and windows in for Mike's house. Cassie, even though she's not here, Cassie may be getting her new flooring while he's putting up the new walls for Susan's house. So he is building each one of us up, and he needs you to just focus on your own house, not to judge your neighbors. 
but instead love them through the process. Love them unconditionally and be gentle with those brothers and sisters around you that may be struggling. So I will close with Galatians 6, 1 through 5. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. So take that to heart, you guys, that if you know that your fellow sister knows Jesus and is, is, trying, is, is pursuing after him and wanting to crucify her flesh and, and struggles with maybe the desires of wanting to get high or, or wanting to go and, and mouth off to somebody or wanting to, whatever it may be, we are not to judge. We are not to condemn. We are to come alongside and give the grace of Christ and to compassionately and gently encourage them to continue going after Christ. We don't want to be the one who slams down a brother or sister in Christ because we think we are holier than thou. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. We are all sinners who fall flat on our face and mess up. We are all sinners who have to go to the cross of Jesus and confess our sins and ask for strength to continue. I am no different than anyone else in here. I stumble, I fall. I will fall flat on my face. I will have to confess and repent of my sinful desires and my ways of getting in the flesh and wanting to seek my pound of flesh. And I know... That when I go to my sister and I'm like, man, I'm struggling. This is, I keep doing this. Thank you, Lord, that I am met by compassion and gentleness. I hear truth, but it's done compassionately and gently. And so I encourage you guys just to, you know, turn the other cheek. Give the coat off of your back. Don't judge those around you because you don't know. You don't know how the Holy Spirit's working on their house. Love one another. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have given me the Holy Spirit. And that he dwells inside of me and that he's constantly changing my heart and leading me towards Jesus. Even when I run away, run away and I want to do my own thing, God, you love me too much to let me go. And like the good shepherd, you come and you chase after me. You leave the 99 and you come after the one. And you lead us and guide us through your word. 
through those people that you have placed to speak truth in our lives. And you bring us back. There is no shame or condemnation with you. There's just grace and compassion because you know, Lord, that we will not get it right. We will have a hard road of sanctification. We will, we will wage war and we will get bloodied and we will, we will have scars and we will get beat up. But you will give us your perseverance. You will give us your strength. You will give us your grace so that we can get back up and that we can continue going after you. You give us what we need to fight the good fight of faith and to not tap out, even though some of us want to, Lord. Like you know, you know how hard it gets. But you supply us with every need that our hearts desire. Because that's how good you are, God. That's how faithful you are, God. And so I thank you for that. I glorify your name for that because you know that I have needed an extra dose of grace and love and compassion from you and patience. Oh, I have needed so, patient, so much patience from you. So I pray, Lord, for those who may be struggling in here that, that seem like, man, they just can't get it right. I pray, Father God, that you would allow this truth to sink in deep into their hearts. But, Lord, that you would also give them that conviction of the Holy Spirit that what they're doing is killing them and that they need to turn away and they need to, they need to leave it all behind, forsake the world and everything that's in it and press on towards Jesus. I pray, Father God, that you would just be with these women tonight and for the rest of the week. Allow this place to be known by your love and your kindness and your compassion, Jesus. That, that man, like you go outside the camp, you go outside the camp and you go to the sick and the brokenhearted and you go to them, you meet them, they don't have to get up and go to you. So I pray, Lord, that they would, they would welcome you in this place, that they would invite you in this place, and that they would fully surrender and follow so hard after you that everything in their life changes, because that is who you are, God. And we love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.